0: And that degree of elasticity is a crucial factor in creating a product that will respond the way it must to be able to have the performance that, that the archer will notice and that will actually benefit their performance on the range, in the woods, etc., that is, that is so crucial in understanding our products, in understanding stabilizers in general, in being able to, in your mind, wrap your mind around the idea of a more expensive accessory, and there's a reason behind it. And that is just a big, big issue when running a small business, when running the kind of company we are now. Uh, this is a particular area that I run into often. So when, when you're when you're selling these kinds of products, you're constantly combating the the American consumer's already um, preconceived ideas. The level, honestly, honestly, completely, um, you know, unvarnished point of view here on this is that many, if not most. Consumers are entitled. They're overly entitled. They believe they deserve incredibly low prices, if you consider what it is they're asking for at the price they're asking to get it. And this is a huge, huge problem when running a small business. When running a high-end materials small business. And I've gotten comments, uh, I've seen some recent comments on our application. So the application for our new team members um, is the same one that my current team members fill out. And I've been reading some of the comments. One of the questions I ask people is, "What what do you think are some of the challenges small businesses face? Interesting to read these responses. And several people have said, well, I don't own a small business, so I don't really know. But my thoughts are this. And that illuminates for me the, the gap, the, the, I guess you could say, the disconnect that exists because people don't know, don't understand, somehow perhaps think that items are just produced when ordered. Maybe they think that this material just appears, you know, in a sense, when you need it. But, and not considering what it would really take To even have small, and I'm talking, when I say small, we might be talking about 10 finished units, 15 finished units, maybe 20, 25 tops. What it would take to even keep that level of inventory available, finished, and in stock. To even buy at those levels, to be able to make those quantities, you have to buy a substantial amount of material ahead of time. Buying that kind of material for a small business ahead of time means you are going to have to strategically plan material purchases and at some point you are going to end up sitting on large volumes of unused material. Expensive volumes of unused material. And you will have substantial amounts of financial investment just sitting waiting to be used. Even if... You're just trying to maintain those low inventory levels. So that's the, that's the area of disconnect and what it takes to actually manufacture products. All the overhead, all the day-to-day little, uh, the nitty-gritty details behind it. Simply, people don't understand it. They just don't have any concept, I think, of what is going on unless they do it or unless they work, perhaps... In a facility where they see this occurring maybe on a larger scale and then in their mind they can break it down to a smaller scale and understand what it probably takes but it is it is simply an enormous amount of expense that must be put into play that must be that must be considered uh, for for starting even starting out producing Products like this, because if, if if you get to a point where you're just selling uh, and buying more or less to keep a you know a small a quantity of inventory available, if you're say you know preparing 10, 15, and that's it, and then you just order a little bit at a time to keep replenishing those stocks, you, you're never going to really be able to get the profit margins high enough because. Buying in volume, obviously, is cheaper. Buying in significantly larger volumes is much cheaper. So you get to a point where you have to decide to do that because you know that for the future, for, be, for the ability to grow beyond where you are, you simply have to have that. And that's, that's essentially where we are. You know, so, so the consumer's mindset about what products should cost and what they think their level of access should be to get high-level product at really cheap prices is, in my mind, honestly kind of a, a absurd. It drives me insane at times. Uh, you know. And, and that's just me being frank. I will be offending some people probably here with what I'm saying. Uh, certainly when I get into what I, my opinions are on bows and, and, and broadheads and hunting and such, that will probably offend some people too. But, but that's not my concern. My concern is to be real with you. And my concern is to let you see the real side of things and you don't have to agree with me but you just but you do have to know that I'm not saying this without uh, genuine conviction on my part so so it, it certainly bothers me when I get these questions uh, and, I, and I frequently do it's you know people will look at the website uh, they'll happen to well in many cases they don't even look at the website they'll just message me because they may have talked to me early on when I started this again I started this in 2016 People will, over the years, have, have reached out, befriended me on Facebook, et cetera. And so people will message and, hey, Sam, I'm looking for a new stab. Uh, what do you got? And first thought in my mind is, well, have you looked at our website recently? Please, Please tell me you've at least looked at our website. You know it's there. So why are you asking me what I have? You know, and, and I, get con- I get a lot of messages, you know, so you can imagine I'm getting a lot of, of inbound communications that I have to deal with. So it's, it's not always easy to respond to these things. So I'll typically send the person a link to go take a look at the website. Here's the, here's the hunting stabilizers we have. And in many cases, people will come back with, yeah, I like this one. Looks great, man. What's my price on it? It's like, what? What's your price? What the website says your price is. What the website says the price is for everybody. That's your price. Unless you're on my team and you have access to to discounted pricing, you better deliver something of substantial value to even think of asking what your price is. Do you think I just arbitrarily assign the prices? Do you think that, that the prices have no basis? Again, remember, Volume sales are ultimately what will buoy a company up and get them going and in a financially stable position. We are not capable, a small company that most of these smaller archery companies are not capable of hitting that kind of volume to be able to lower retail prices and still make out well in the overall revenue department. So my prices are based on what they need to be. Every discounted product that gets sold essentially is an investment in that person by offering them that discount. In most cases, that investment is never seen as far as a return. So you have to seriously consider as you go on, and this is one thing I've been doing, really look hard, critically look at discounting and who it's being offered to. And are they really bringing something to your company? If you can't trace back to tangible sales or some sort of trail of evidence that says so-and-so who got X number of discounts has contributed to these sales that have occurred for your company, then that probably just flew out the window. That's gone. That discount is gone. And time and time again, I've been approached by people in this industry now. It happens all the time on Instagram. It happens all the time on Facebook. People out of the blue pop up. Hey, I'm looking for a sponsor. Hey, I like your gear. It looks, y'all have great gear. I typically get uh, y'alls. And I, look, I know how people talk in different parts of the country. That's that's cool. That's fine. You talk however. But you can type normal. You, if you want to, you know, it's easier for me to understand. Uh, you know, I just rather people use that kind of grammatically. Sometimes I've gotten messages where I could barely discern what the person was even trying to write, you know, in any case. So, you know, I can help y'all with repping your products. I have followers on fa- on Instagram and Facebook. I've got a hunting group I've got a developing TV show. I'm gonna be on the Pursuit channel. I'm gonna be on Carbon TV, I'm gonna be on the outdoor channel. I got all these sportsmen's channel, blah blah blah. First of all, and what I've what I've really learned uh, immediately what I've learned here is that for the most part, if you're even talking about a TV show and and wanting to have advertisers for that, then I'm already ruling you out because we've not seen the the overall benefit of of that. Being exposed to the public through a show is great, but in most every case of these people that I'm talking to, it's a show that you know, runs at the 4 a.m. time slot on Sunday mornings or something. You know, Maybe I'm exaggerating a little here, but the point is, it's not a widely viewed program. So for me to throw a bunch of gear out their way, even if it's, even if it's heavily discounted gear and not free, it just doesn't pay off. You know it doesn't so my advice to anybody looking to start a company if you're looking at high-end products you know don't don't make some of those same mistakes you do have to be flexible at times you do have to consider if there are people you should be giving discounts to but in many instances it simply is not worth what you will invest in it all right so that's a little bit of a rant probably uh, slightly offensive to some people (laughs) And I, I, my apologies, because in many cases, I, I get it. People, they're not aware. They're not necessarily aware of maybe the line that they're stepping over when they're asking for these things. But then they're not also thinking about what the realities are of the, what this, this business owner is trying to do and what they're dealing with. Sitting on 20, 30, $40,000 in materials when there aren't a lot of sales occurring at particular times of the year. Maybe that gives you a picture of what it takes to do this. And this is on a small scale. Again, we're not bee stinger We're not these, we're not these large. We're not Limb Saver. We're not cranking out 5, 10,000 units. We're not selling through the big box stores. You know, We're selling direct to consumer. And what a challenge that is. If you get it rolling and it's effective and you really get momentum... Yes, your profit margins are good because you're going direct to consumer. But quite the mountain to, to climb. It's huge. All right, so go back to some, what I, some of what I referred to earlier. I want to talk about team members and their, their harvests. Excited about what some of these guys have done for us this year. So I'm, I'm scrolling through my Facebook page now, the, the Tap Shooters group. Looking at some of the pictures, um, I'll just call out some of the names here and and talk about uh, what it is that they wrote as far as the details. So Brian Cox, one of our brand ambassadors, all these people, by the way, are are brand ambassadors for us that I mentioned. So he shot a nice doe. It was, uh, I believe, on a public land um, managed uh, managing herd, kind of calling the herd type of situation, I believe it was like on a, a park somewhere, an urban urban managed deer management situation, 14-yard uh, spot and stalk, double lunged him, her rather, died in between two businesses. <laughs> well, that's a pretty cool scenario. That's pretty unique. So, and it's a really good thing that, to be doing that because that is where people need to be focusing on taking some of these doe out and calling herds off is in these more urbanized areas. So if you can get a management tag like he did and get into those situations, you actually can do a real benefit, get some high-quality organic meat for yourself. He used an Element X. Uh, I believe he just had the front bar. He also uses one of our string stops, I believe. Yes, he does. He has one of our titanium string stops. Then we have uh, Jeff Ward. Jeff Ward also uses Element X's. He has the uh, tap camo orange, which Brian Cox also had. And Jeff Ward took a nice doe in New York, I believe it was. Really big, mature doe. We got, who else do we have here? Kurt Thomas, longtime team member of ours. And he shot a nice deer on the Fort Knox, It's a nice buck. Fort Knox Military Reservation, bonus buck hunt. He took him on the first day of the hunt, 8-yard shot, and fell within 25 yards. Ta- Kurt said, tap products effectively and efficiently quiet down bows and allow for quick and humane kills. Well said, Kurt. That is absolutely correct. Josh Pennington, 37-yard shot. He, running, he was running Element X's as well. He had some custom ones done by us that were white and had custom decals. He was using an Athens bow, and he killed a nice doe, really well-placed shot. Melissa Miller, one of our big-time supporters. She does a lot of target shooting and also hunts a good bit. X front and back stabilizers. She has our QD, tap string stop, 26 yards, quartering two. Hit the grunt call, he came in looking, but didn't present with a shot until an hour after she saw him. Well, that's some real patience. And she took a nice spike buck down in Virginia. Clayton Bennett said he didn't have a picture, but he absolutely waylaid a squirrel at 73 yards with his eight inch Element X on a QD. That's some impressive shooting, Clayton. Chad Knoll posted a picture of a really big groundhog that he headshot with one of our Element X's. Steve Menino got a doe. Broadside shot, 24 yards, double lunged it, ran about 30 yards. Also X shooter. Bobby Redfern, 17-yard shot with an Athens, sick for the hunt edition, rev, 7, 10-inch tap, suppressor elite. Then he shot another one, seven, October 7th, another big doe. Another, same bow, same stabilizer. And we got, see here, Ryan Albertson in Iowa. 20 yard shot, 8 inch tap stabilizer. It's like an LMX. Really nice looking Bucky shot. About a 8. Looks like a nice 8. And let's see what else do we have here. Oh, I got to mention Kara. And you know, I've never actually pronounced your name, your last name, out loud on uh, on the air. So I don't know exactly, but it looks like Zavaglio or Zava. Yeah, Zavaglio is what it looks like. So I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. But in any case, so Kara, she killed a 7-point, her first buck ever in Connecticut, 20-yard shot, ran about 40 yards, LMNX with our quick disconnect, and maybe even a bigger deal. I know she was very proud of this one as well. Prior to that, earlier in the year, she shot a black bear in, uh, I believe that was Maine, and shot it at 26 yards. Really nice harvest. See, Tyler Smith, this is the last one we had uh, commented on here. That was in Delaware. State land, 40-yard shot, went 30 yards using the TAP uh, Suppressor Elite 8-inch. And a Hoyt RX1 Turbo. He said she never heard it coming. You know, honestly, that's one of the comments we get a lot with our products is that people say they're just so suppressed, so quiet. And one of the comments that, uh, that our team members had made was, you know, help regular people out there understand why our products are better. Try to explain it. Try to talk about what that is, how that works. And I would like to do that. I'm afraid that we've gone on quite a bit here. So I think maybe we have another 10 minutes or so roughly to get the overall amount of time I'd like to get out of this show. And there are a few other things to bring up. So I will try to summarize some of those things. Talk further about specifically what it is our products bring to the table. And then I also want to mention, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about broadheads and bows. So so maybe I extend the show out a little bit. You know, maybe that's a possibility. I have the freedom to do that. That's, what, that's what's really great about this. So I'm not limited. You know, it's really a matter of what will you listen to. You know, maybe you'll have to listen to it in chunks. And uh, I, I certainly don't mind that. So let's let's talk about broadheads. Let's talk about bows. I, um, Iron Will. Iron Will Broadheads uh, is something I, I worked a deal out with the owner. So Bill is the owner of Iron Will. And he and I did a product swap. And I am extremely impressed with what it is that he manufactures. These are the solid blade 150 grains. So they're the S150s that I got. I got six of those in a case. And... Uh, These have the, I believe it's the A2 tool steel. So it's a very hard, very durable alloy of steel that are used for the ferrules and for the blades. These are precision crafted products. I look at a product like this like I look at our products. I look at this as as an investment in something that will last and something that truly delivers an edge, a better level of performance. And, you know, I've already gotten some interesting comments from people. Um, you know, people look at a product like this and they'll go quickly, look, you know, pull up the retail price for these and say, oh, that's, you know, that's that's beyond my price range. It's interesting people say those kinds of things because that same person will gladly drop tremendously more on a bow, on arrows, on new sites, new rests, new releases. And the list goes on, but but balk at, At paying a certain level on a broadhead which you know objectively speaking you take care of something like this six of these broadheads could very well last you 10 15 years or longer depending on you know how careful you are uh, with your shots resharpening them keeping them in good condition these are very very durable products so I could see that happening and I look at this as well in the long run you're saving money by investing in a good quality broadhead. So I see our products similar. They are crafted out of high-end materials. There's a reason they cost a bit more. But that reason is very very much based on on a tangible benefit that you get from it. So I'm excited to hear if uh, Bill likes how our products perform on his bow. And I'm excited about the possibility of getting out to use these. You know, I killed four deer this year with a bow, all with the same bow, Athens Altitude. And I had more or less told people, uh, my family and, and even the team members, I had said, well, I'm probably probably done for the year. But I could, I, could, I could shoot more doe in Maryland if I would like to. And I've done a bunch of my hunting there. And now I'm very, very tempted to break the bow back out and try these broadheads. And in fact, I would love to be able to demonstrate just what kind of penetration potential a broadhead, a cut-on-contact head like this has on shoulder bone of a deer. You know, this is a phenomenal design. This, this will split. This will not wilt under intense, uh, you know, pressure, under intense uh, conditions. You know, whereas I've seen so many examples. When it comes to broadheads... Okay, my opinion is that, and this is based on again, about 26 years of hunting bow hunting is that a fixed blade is the only thing I will ever use ever, period and I base that on, on my um, knowledge of, of how mechanical products work and I believe strongly in the concept of no moving parts and I will never waver from that now That is not me bashing you if you use mechanical broadheads, okay? Many, many deer, millions probably, or at least in the hundreds of thousands, are killed every year using mechanical broadheads. On on a shot where conditions are ideal and the impact point is ideal, it, it doesn't matter as much, certainly not. But even in some of those cases, mechanical head will... Uh, not have as good of uh, performance because you have to think about it from a physical perspective, from a mechanical perspective. If any part is moving, (coughs) excuse me, if any part is moving, you are detracting, you are subtracting from the overall level of kinetic energy that that arrow is capable of carrying and retaining. So you are you are shaving efficiency away when something has to move when something has to open that's how it has i mean i don't think you can really argue that that is a proven issue that is a proven fact if you have a sufficient amount to start sure it's going to plow through anyway i just like eliminating these variables i like eliminating those factors if possible so my choice is fixed blades only and that is something I will continue to do. And that is not, again, a slam on you. That is not me putting down other people's choices. That is, that is based on my experience and that is based on my understanding of these mechanical slash physical principles and understanding what it is that potentially can go wrong on shots, on angled shots, quartering shots on potential situations that I have seen it time and time again where people are getting just small amounts of penetration the front of these heads in some cases are bending blades are breaking and snapping I want to shoot through deer after deer after deer with a broadhead I want to be able to sharpen it up put it back in the case or put it back on the arrow make sure it's clean and be ready to go the next season that's what I want to get from my broadheads. And I, and I believe the people who want that from their broadheads also like the products that we produce. They like the idea that they're getting titanium in their products. So that's my, that's my view on broadheads. A really quick synopsis, a quick summary of broadheads for me is fixed blade. And these are 150s. You certainly would like to, to concentrate as much of your weight in the broadhead as possible. And that is what I would recommend you look at doing. If you are also considering a switch, iron wheel broadheads, take a look, Google them. All right, so what else? Bose. Bose, Athens Edition. Okay. Athens, I'm sorry, Athens Tap Edition coming up. We are in we, we just talked to their owner today. And we will shortly have our first tap edition Athens Ridge 34 in hand. That will be shipped out, I think, probably within a week or so. And I'll be able to get that available through our website. Get the photos out there, properly accessorize it, and then be able to start taking orders. I'm really pumped. This is this is an ideal choice for us. So the Ridge 34 is is a six and three quarter inch braced uh, brace height bow. 34 inch axle to axle, 335 feet per second IBO, and it offers 80 to 90% let off. It will be coming with an anthracite gray. This will be the only color that you can get. Anthracite gray riser, black textured black limbs, and it's going to be a gray slash silver type of string set color from, from GAS Strings. So Athens will be producing these. We will be forwarding the orders onto them and then they will uh, take those orders, fulfill them, ship them direct to the customer. So why are we doing this? Well, why, why do we choose only one color? Why are we choosing these uh, gray string sets? Why are we having the tap logo put on there? Because we're promoting a concept. We're promoting the concept of our titanium accessories. We want to grow that following. We want to grow our brand. And by working with a company like Athens, as we did with 2018 Bose, by working like you know with that type of company, there is great potential. There's great potential in what we could develop together, and the fact that we uh, we have this developing relationship, it's just really a, it's encouraging. It's a big deal to us to have that, and and I continue to continue to, you know continue to um, I plan. I'm sorry over my own words here. I plan to continue to develop that relationship further as far as we can. Take a look at the website, The Ridge 34. I I selected that bow because that's a bow I would personally shoot. And that to me is of utmost importance. I will not advocate for a product that TAP puts their name on unless I would use it. These broadheads I got from Iron Will, they look like they're right down my alley. I will be shooting them further you know, and getting additional data and deciding, of course. But I certainly feel like they are. I talk about them because I believe in them. I'm talking about this bow because I believe in the specs. I believe in the build. I believe in that company. And I believe it represents very nicely what we are trying to do as a company. That's, that's all about that. You know, I, I could have picked a 32. So we were going, to, we were allowed to, to really have one bow that we were going to do a tap edition. I could have picked the Ridge 32. Could have picked the Summit, which is a 30-inch axle-to-axle. With the industry trends and, and consumers buying choices leaning more towards that way of these shorter bows, you could have easily made the argument that, well, you would sell a lot more bows if you went with a 30 to 32, maybe. I, I don't care. I think we'll sell just enough, plenty of bows with 34, but it also fits and stays true to what I think is important as a shooter, as what as what I think is important as, as a bow hunter and what I want to give to you as a customer of ours and what you're getting from those products. So, I advocate strongly for ethical bow hunting and better shot placement and better long-range accuracy. And I advocate that you practice at these longer ranges. When I say longer, I'm talking 60, 70, 80, up to 100. That is not what I say you should be shooting game at, but I do believe you should be practicing. And to do that more effectively, my view, you need a longer axle-to-axle bow. So, get a lot of comments, though, about, well, I hunt out of ground lines or I hunt out of... You know, these situations where I think a 34 would be really tough. Look, you know, when I started bow hunting, 1993, roughly, there were people toting around regularly 39, 40-inch axle-to-axle, 42-inch axle-to-axle compound bows. I had one, I think it was, probably was 42 inches axle axle-to-axle. It was a a browning. I managed to make it work, all right? So a 34 is certainly not a very long axle axle bow. All right, anything additional that I want to go over? Well, yeah, there is. Just one last thing, and I'll leave you with this. Let's, let's dive into the, the, the area of Christmas shopping. All right? Christmas shopping. It sucks. That's, that's my view on it. I hate it. No, I, I'm joking, but I, in a way, I, I actually, I don't really like it. And, you know, in looking at what people do in purchasing products for Christmas, it's interesting when it comes to archery products. It is difficult. I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me on this. It is very difficult to buy archery products that someone will actually use on their bow for a loved one. Is say for a significant other, so uh, it's difficult for a wife. And and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but it certainly would be more frequent of a situation where a wife would be looking to buy for the husband for his bow rather than the husband would be looking to buy for the wife's bow. But there are those cases too. We know we are, we have loads of of female archers. Uh, But whatever the case may be, I I tend to just say things that are more, uh, more the norm. So, if a wife or someone, maybe a mother, is looking for her son, for his bow, it's difficult to buy accessories that he would actually use. He and or she would use. So, I feel like, well, how do we get these sales? You know, I feel like I feel like trying to find uh, a way to get sales from people is very difficult during this time of year on archery products. I mean, and looking at the data that came back in from Black Friday slash Cyber Monday. Well, I took a look at that data and, you know, you see these customers, their purchases, what specific items they they bought, what codes they used, and you realize, huh, these people were buying primarily for themselves, it looks like. I don't believe most of these people were making purchases for someone else. So, again... You know, light bulb sometimes goes on in your mind. It might seem like an obvious thing to people. But it went on, my, on in my mind is that, okay, we need to focus then on about a two-week or so period, three-week period leading up to Christmas where we'll, we'll advertise uh, gift cards at reduced prices. So that's what we're going to do is we'll run a gift card sale. And people can make those gift card purchases. It's something you get as a digital download, essentially. Uh, an email comes in with a code and then you could print that out you could put that in a stocking or you could put that in an envelope or whatever it might need to be so you could give it to someone and that will allow you to purchase items from tap for someone else and it's just it isn't that easy and i was thinking about how i tote my bow around the house and dif- the different bows i'm walking around with stabilizers or i'm walking around with products my wife sees that and i don't think even given as much exposure she has to tap products, that she'd be able to effectively pick which tap product and what length she could buy for me. So if that doesn't tell you, then I don't know what would. Is that gift card would be the best option to purchase for someone looking to get tap gear for Christmas. And uh, what else? So that's about it, I think. And uh, the next episode that I do... So I realized, uh, you know, I realized I've run on considerably long here with this show, but the next episode I'd like to go into my hunting in 2018 uh, phenomenal season. Really excited about how that went, and some of the learnings that I took out of those public land situations, some of the uh, the things that I noticed in the deer's behavior, and and even at this point in my hunting career, all these years have gone past, still learn. You still constantly learn. You still need to keep learning, and it's always exciting. And if it ever stops getting exciting, I should stop hunting. But I don't think I don't believe it will. I love it. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. And it's it's what I um, you know it's something I really live for. So that'll come up in the next episode. Twenty eighteen successes on on my own, own end, and uh, I'll talk further about the titanium advantage I will break down some of the science on sound waves and what it is that titanium alloy can accomplish on resonance and harmonics and if if you just want to take this from today's episode and you're considering our products if you trust what I'm saying if you trust the voice behind this here just know that there is a 100 percent literal basis for the performance of the products that they truly do work that we wouldn't have so many hundreds of people now around the country around the world even saying that they work if they didn't and you know you still might be skeptical but i'd ask you to really think about does sam sound 100% sincere 100% convinced does he sound like a used car salesman i hope i don't because i'm certainly not out of that mentality Thank you guys. Appreciate all the time you gave, you give to TAP. And I ask that you stay tapped out. Good morning, everyone. Sam here. It's December the 4th, Tuesday, December the 4th, a day we affectionately like to call TAP Tuesday. Something we ask our team members to do often when they put social media posts out is to use the hashtag Tap Tuesday. It's been effective in the past in generating some, uh, some focus and interest on the products and on the company. I have a lot on my mind today. I'm completely frank, completely honest. I'm going to do my best to come across in a measured way and to not uh, offend, but truth of the matter is, I'm very frustrated about a lot of things, and I look at this as a way to connect on a very um, genuine, sincere level with people. I really don't want to sugarcoat. I don't want to have a facade. I don't want to come off like I'm, you know, putting a a glossy coat over something that does not uh, warrant that. I want people to see the realities of attempting what it is TAP is, is doing. I want people to understand what it takes, what it truly takes. And then not only that, what you'll encounter with people, where American consumers are and their minds and the way they shop and what they're looking for and their expectations on prices, everything that, that comes into play in dealing with people on a day-to-day basis and producing the kinds of, of high-end products we do it, it certainly has a huge range of dynamic factors and it, it gets quite complex and you, if you're doing what I am, you will absolutely, most certainly, without a doubt, run into significant levels of frustration over it. So there are those things I will get to. I also want to talk about a, a, a bit of a rundown on 2018 uh, Archery kills, archery harvests, whatever term you want to use there. Of course, the more uh, family-friendly, politically correct, I guess, term is harvest. Makes it sound a lot nicer, right? Takes the the concept of killing out of it. But uh, I want to talk about that, of course, and get down to uh, reviewing over some of our our team members' uh, situations, their successes. I'll talk about some of my own. Maybe some of the things that I've learned from this year. Uh, I have a lot in my head, and I don't think it'll necessarily fit into what I'm envisioning about a 45-minute show, roughly. Uh, so, we'll do my best. Also, I want to talk about some new products. Then, I want to talk about broadheads. I'd like to get to that, because I have some new broadheads here, and I want to talk about what I'm seeing in these. I haven't shot them yet, but they are a fascinating product. And I want to give a shout out to the company that produces these and the owner of that company, which I'll talk about here in a second. And I want to also then swing around to my opinions on Broadheads and uh, some of my opinions on bows and further update people on the Athens Tap Edition Ridge 34 that's going to be coming up. So if you can't tell already... I'm pretty amped up about today's show because I got a lot on my mind and there's a lot of energy behind it. So let's start by uh, giving some shout outs to uh, to these team members of ours. And then I'm also going to run down some of the comments that they have made in response to a post that I put on Facebook. So we have this private group, Tap Shooters. You can't see it if you're not a member. Uh, it is one of the major advantages of being a team member of ours is that you do get access to this. You get access to me because I use this on a daily basis to communicate with these people. And I have gotten so close to many of the team members that they, in my mind, are truly on on a friendship level. And And I confide in a lot of these people directly. I have phone calls, texts, daily messages and such with them. And they give me advice on things related to the company. So this is a really, really neat feature of what we're doing is this team. About 146 or so odd people right now. We'll, we'll try to increase that a good bit in our January 2019 recruitment period. Looking for really high quality candidates. Got a really nice application that I think uh, helps to sort through some of the better potential candidates that are out there and I will be advertising that sh- that soon. So if you're interested I would suggest you do keep an eye out for those posts about the application. The, the team, again, so th- there's all these things that that I feel offer benefit to people to being part of our team. It goes far beyond the products, it goes far beyond The fact that these are superior products that really do work there are other things that we offer and i don't want people trying to become part of our group just because they see the the personal financial benefit to them so we do have industry co-ops i won't say what they are because again I, i don't want that to be as big of a factor as people coming to us because they want to, to genuinely throw their weight in support to the company and help to make the company um, you know, stand out and, and be able to advance and excel. That's what we're looking for from people. There's only so much people can accomplish. I get that. Uh, and, and I'm pretty, I think, realistic with our team members in what I ask of them. And that is more or less just you know a weekly post. Try to like and share things that I put out there for the company. Uh, listen to the podcast like this here. Share the podcast. Tell friends about the products. And it, it, that's where it kind of it, it gets difficult at times when it when it comes to how do I share effectively. Uh, with other people, what what these products do for me in my shooting, uh, that's that's difficult, and, and it's difficult for me to break it down to a point where it, it, it definitely resonates in the right way with with consumers. We have to consider that we're appealing to a broad array of of people in terms of their their level of experience and expertise in archery. So you have anywhere from the, the, the true beginner who may have just picked up a bow to people who have 30, 40, 50 years of experience in archery, very knowledgeable, very uh, seasoned, and certainly not uh, as likely to be impressed with trends or fads in the industry. You have so many people that in that, that broad spectrum and you, you want to appeal to all of them if possible. So It's difficult to get um, the correct wording in some cases, the correct terminology in place to our team members to help them see what it is they need to say and what it is they should be uh, carrying forth in the message about the products. And uh, so that's part of what I want to get into today, too, is providing some, some fairly it's relatively basic in its scope but it's but it's in-depth enough information that will help the skeptic out there understand why we're using these products why we're using the materials and what it does bring to you that there is an advantage to it it's not just a preference it's not just a fad it's not just another trend it is based on legitimate uh quantitative results okay so that'll be something we get to as well. Some of the, some of the feedback I got on a post I put up last night, I will actually then read these remarks. So let's, since I was just talking about that, it makes a lot of sense, I guess, to go to some of those comments. So I have that pulled up right now. And here's a comment from one of our team members. Uh, so Jason Trump, been with us for, I think, over a year and um, well over a year And what he said was, I think it'd be very beneficial to get into the detail of why titanium. Yeah, so why titanium? That's actually one of the pages we have on our website. We have why titanium, and then we have an explanation, and how it works with these products. I see so many educated archers saying titanium is not good in a stabilizer. Makes a great point. And educated archer. That's a a subjective term. So people consider themselves to be educated archers. We don't really know necessarily what their level of knowledge is beyond what they see in bows themselves, what they've learned from shooting. They may or may not understand the science behind the products, ours and other uh, other brands uh, when it comes to stabilizers. So let's talk about why titanium. It breaks down, it boils down to one primarily uh, focal, one focal point, one area that is primarily the most important. And that is response to resonance, response to excess energy. The bow, when it is in stored energy form, when it is drawn, waiting to release an arrow, and we're waiting to convert that to kinetic energy. The bow has a lot of potential energy at that point. When it releases that arrow, there's so many pieces that start to go into motion. So much energy is being moved through the, the structure of the bow. If you're going to put a stabilizer on that you feel should deliver something to you as an archer, as a as a bow hunter, if you feel it should be able to deliver something to you in, in, in quantitative or, or felt difference, performance, then it has to have certain characteristics. Titanium alloy. And that's key that we say titanium alloy and not just titanium. Because titanium is, in its elemental form, uh, a, a pure substance. Titanium alloy, as with any metal that's been alloyed, it has been altered by having other metals added to it to strengthen it. Alloys, in almost every instance, are going to strengthen the overall properties of the metal. So you may have vanadium, aluminum, and other materials being alloyed into the process. We use titanium alloy. We use grade 9. We use it in specific thicknesses. And we use grade 9 because, A, we found it to be very effective, and B, we know that that particular um, alloy is very responsive to, uh, to resonance, and I'll explain that further. And we know that that particular alloy has a degree of elasticity that we want.